Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friends, my partners in radio, Barnabas Piper and Ron Martin. Boys, we got uh, interesting things to discuss today, but before we do it, uh, baby, you're back, right? You're off the road. Pipe and I had to had to handle one without you. Where where were you last week? Anywhere amazing? Yeah, I know that. I know. Got boys, apologies for that. But yeah, it's uh, back out on the road. I was in a beautiful Hilton Head, South Carolina, for a few days working with the network. And uh, I mean, before you get too jealous, it was forty degrees, raining. We were in a big resort hotel, so we didn't really get to. We didn't really get to have the experience that uh, I've become accustomed to, as we all like to say. Um, <laughs> Tough to I do appreciate so, that uh, you guys are, are yeah. getting closer to putting the Harbor and Harbor Network, however. Yeah, well, we, we put it – I mean, everything's a nautical theme. So we are – yeah, anytime we can get sort of something you know, uh, aligned with you know, saying words like anchor and, and those types of things, we do it. So. You know, Paul suffered in his ministry travels too and um, – he did, and he was even shipwrecked. Yeah, uh, I mean, at, being at, at a harbor, being forty so. degrees and stuck in a big, beautiful resort—that's akin, probably, to what he went through. Um, Guys, I don't want you to. I mean, don't. I don't. You know, don't feel bad for me. Okay. You know, I don't. I don't. You okay. guys, it's don't. okay. I'm gonna be okay. okay. I'm gonna be all right. I'm gonna have KK scratch it off the prayer list then. Um, yeah, I appreciate. Yeah, that. yeah. I appreciate I'll have my. I'll text my small group and have them stop praying. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, you know, yeah, I, I still appreciate the prayers, but you know, just for for that other stuff we talked about off the yeah, all that all that personal stuff we talk about, all the un, all the all the uh, you know the unspoken prayers, yeah, oh that yeah, we discussed. Um, Piper, if our listeners want to hear and read more about the Apostle Paul and his journeys and his writings, um, wow, tell them how they can do that via Dwell Bible. Oh, I'm just sorry. I was floored by your spectacular segue there. That was <laughs> what a transition. I do, I do a little radio, boys. We're professionalism. We're, we're going to be doing more radio, old school radio, um, as it turns out. But Piper, tell them about Dwell Bible. Yes, listeners, if you go to the website dwellapp.io/happyrant, you can you can be introduced to Dwell Bible app or you can just search for it in your app store, but you do have, there's a subscription. That website is where you can find our listener discount. It is an audio Bible app. It has kind of every feature you would want when it comes to audio Bible engagement, multiple narrators, multiple Bible versions, listening plans to get you through the Bible in a year or to go through the Bible thematically or chronologically or to focus on uh, they, they have they have lists, you know, promise lists or benediction lists or different things to just sort of feed you different aspects of scripture. They have a read along option, which kind of functions like a like a karaoke screen where it just scrolls as you listen. And then they just have a an actual Bible you can read. So if you want to kind of alternate between listening and reading, but just have a, a more standard reading experience, that's built in as well. They're constantly developing new features and new playlists and new listening plans and building it out for, for with more and more options. So again, go to dwellapp.io slash happy rant. They offer a 30% discount off a lifetime subscription for our listeners and a 10% discount off of annual. Uh, all that is totally worth it. You can also give it as a gift if it's something you think somebody else in your life would benefit from. If you've been talking to somebody who's frustrated at their lack of time in the word, and this could be a way to to kind of create an on-ramp for that buy it for them, give it as a gift. Go check it out. Love it. Good work, Pipe. And we love Dwell Bible as a as a company and as individuals. Uh, it's a great product. So we've got three topics 
to talk about, two of which are are actually interesting and and one of it which is just kind of quirky. But I want to start with one of the interesting ones. And Pipe, I'm going to read what you texted us and ask you to explain it as a kind of on-ramp into the discussion. Okay. Uh, so you said this. I kind of find the current complementarian slash egalitarian debate funny because it is the exact same one as the one in the 80s. Um, explain this to me. I don't remember the one in the 80s, and I don't know, like, really the ins and outs of the one now. Like, I know, I know the Wait, difference. Wait, you weren't paying attention to this when you were, like, 13 years old and, and <laughs> riding your I... Huffy bicycle to the movie theater to watch Dude, Indiana oh, Jones know, or whatever? Nice, On the Huffy. I love that you got the Huffy. I love That's it. Nice. No free shout-out. Great touch, pipe. But Huffy, yeah. if you're still a company and are still out there. You could have said Murray, too. I mean, that would have been oh, equally dude, as legit Huffy because those were, the, those were the two brands you could get at, like, Zodi's or whatever, Elite. like, department store they had back in that yeah, day. Yeah, I just, I'm just shocked that neither of you were paying close attention to the egalitarian complementarian debate during that era of your life. Dude, no, I, however, I, was paying attention oh, at four years old, so... It's all we talked about at my Christian school was I mean, it's literally, I mean, in between like memorizing scripture and, you know, like whether like drinking was a sin, it was all we talked about. It's all we talked about at my public school in between like, <laughs> you know, it's all, all my parents, it's all my parents talked to me about exactly after they read me family my devotionals. All the, that's all, all the was. boys, all the boys in your Christian school were just deciding they didn't need to listen to the female <laughs> teachers. She, yeah, she can't exactly. teach me. hundred percent. Uh, I mean, every night, so. every night before dinner, dad would say, now let's just recap what we think about egalitarianism. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was just standard. Yeah. Every Those day. are sweet memories, aren't they, baby? Oh, they're so sweet. Yeah. So yeah. sweet. No, Pipe, seriously, like sketch out the current debate um, and, and the one in the 80s and talk about how they're similar. And then yeah, Ronald so, and I can contribute. I mean, obviously the 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 large scope of the debate is the what does the Bible have to say about the roles of men and women in the church? And then some people expand that to the home and broader society. And, and you know, what are the explicit commands, what's etc. And uh, so the, the debate in the 80s had to do with, I mean, it, it, it turned into a debate about inerrancy. You know, so mm -hmm. if you take a different stance than me on this, you don't believe in the inerrancy of Scripture because Scripture says X, you believe Y. Clearly, you yeah. don't believe in the inerrancy. So it, it basically turned from a debate about interpretation to a debate about are you a Christian? You know, oh, do you sure. believe that the Word of God <laughs> is inerrant, which is pretty yeah. foundational to the faith? Yeah. Um, well, we have we have reentered the exact same debate this time with all of the tact and politeness and gentleness that Twitter brings to the table, uh -huh. as opposed to scholarly papers and academic publishers. So, and isn't that great? Well, that's yeah, we're so glad that it just got to Twitter. We've really yeah, leveled up yeah. as a society. Um, yeah, it's so much better. Yeah, it's I you know I yeah I'm I'm overall greatly encouraged by the tone of the debate these days. It's it's so <laughs> civil. It's so kind. Everybody clearly wants to listen and love one another. But I just I think it's hilarious because there are these there's significant books on both sides of the issue written by you know really pretty good scholars in the 80s and early 90s. My dad and Wayne Groom wrote the one on complementarianism. There are books on the other side you know, about, about this, but the debate tended to stay in the realm of interpretation, not, sure. not like accusation of heresy, sure. uh, which is where we've gone to now. So accusations of heresy, if you are open to a more 
broad understanding of complementarianism, you know, not applying it to the home, not applying it to, you know, the broader society, et cetera. And I just, I find it funny because A, making secondary issues into issues of heresy is either the worst thing in the world or something we laugh at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's funny because we've done this already or our parents did this and, you know, I don't know where the phrase came from, but those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. And uh, yeah. here we are. We are repeating the exact same debate, except with all of like the base expressions and uh, and 280 character limits that we have yeah. that we have placed on ourselves now. Okay, yeah, it's, it's good you mentioned that because I want to kind of like talk about the pathology of like discourse on Twitter and how that changes. The conversation, and I'll I'll ask this to Ronald because he's been known to spend a minute or two on Twitter. Um, like, do you think this is a thing again because it's just marketable? You know what I mean? In in the, in the way that Twitter has kind of rewired people to find those topics which are inherently like marketable and things are marketable typically because they're shot through with like conflict. You know what I mean? It's what powers a story. So I wonder if this thing keeps coming around because the people with audiences keep bringing it around because it's inherently marketable. And I, and I think a follow-up question to that would be, do you think that even happens on a conscious level or is it just subconscious? Do you know what I'm asking? Does that make sense, baby? Yeah. Like, like, what do you, yeah, maybe what, I don't know what you mean by marketable, like, because I think these are just like, these are almost just, um, this is like very like in-house debatey. So nobody's like, nobody's necessarily benefiting from it on any level other than to establish a point that they, they seem very passionate about and that they want to take from like what Piper just said, from what we would say is a, a, a second or third tier level and just make it primary, you know, So so maybe... Yeah, I, I guess what I was asking is like, I think Twitter has rewired people such that it's not even about the debate as much as it's about right. just getting looked at. You know what I mean? It's so about like, the response. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah, so yeah, that's fair. That's fair. This is a sports yeah. thing, but maybe you heard about it, baby. Like, there's there's this guy Antonio Brown who got into a conflict <laughs> with his coach like three weeks ago and like started essentially taking his clothes off on the field, like his uniform. And, Dude. you know, and he, and he and he walked off the field wearing like only his pants and it became, of course, this huge social media thing. And and the point of it was not even so much what was the argument with his coach about as much as it was about him getting looked at and then Absolutely. and then people using it, you know what I mean, to, to yeah. get themselves looked at. And I wonder if that's yeah. not sort of the motivation behind this debate, because I it, it, at the end of the day, people just believe what they believe about it, and they they probably have decent reasons for believing it. And yet, you know, we're we're using all this time talking about it. Uh, well, I think it's interesting because I think yeah, I think what you're saying is true. Yeah. So what I think is happening is yeah, I think it 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 either can like there are certain people that use it for that, so they want to say something that's going to be um they they want to say something that is going to cause you know, a, like a Twitter war. And what it does is whether anybody agrees with them or not, all it's doing is increasing their platform in the sense that now everybody's talking about them. So, you know, bad press is good press. And the whole point is, 
you know, they're sticking to their guns in terms of what they believe about this particular topic. What's interesting about it, though, is like if you take it to the next step for people that are co- sort of like standing on the on the edge and they're looking in, I'll, I'll just say like me and Piper, yeah. you know, who are not like getting into that debate necessarily. Yeah. But for us, oh, to I already, sort of stand I already won back the debate, and, Ronnie. Did you not uh, like? Well, I'm, I mean, I'm I meant I'm just I meant beside you, but resting on my. But for laurels. us to stand back and like look in and just go, okay, you know, I'm just reading, I'm just listening, I'm just learning. It does this other weird thing where, like, I I, I actually know where others you know where where other people's opinions now exist mm-hmm. you know in this debate whereas before mm-hmm. i i wouldn't have even known that and not only that but i know how passionate they are about it and not only that i know how angry they are about it and not only that um i know how they react um when they are when when something comes up that people disagree with them about and you know so now i know something about a person's character i know i know about their you know how they respond yeah. and, and their reaction time with these things like these are all things now that have like surfaced people's character and make make them come to light in a way that makes me look at them and go well, that's weird like mm. i wouldn't have even known that about this person and now it's almost like it unleashed this monster yeah um because they didn't have the the self control or the whatever whatever to sort of pull back and lean back and go hey i can just be cool i don't have to i don't have to let everything go when it comes sure. to my opinion on this topic so that's what's so crazy so the initial guy gets all the platforming from it mm-hmm. and then now the, everybody else gets to see how other people now react to topics that we think are third second and third tier and you know how how much they lose their cool when they're when they're in a conversation where people disagree with them so like the whole thing just falls apart yeah which is really interesting to no me. it just totally collapses yeah it's it's know? it is fascinating so I, I guess, and I'll frame this as a question to Piper, but I, you guys can both answer it, and I would like to hear you on it too, baby. Is your life better for knowing everybody's take on it? You know what I mean? Like, as you look at your life and you look at this debate as like a little sliver of your life, now that you know, I mean, 25 years ago, you might have known what six people think about complementarianism. And now you know what 600 people think about it. Is that a, like a value added or, or the opposite pipe? I, what do you think? I think it's, a, I think it's utterly – well, if, if you can you know, refrain from judging people accordingly like, oh, I didn't know yeah. that they were so passionately on whatever side of this issue and then you judge them. If you can refrain from that. It's it's basically a neutral because what what is most revelatory about this to me is how out of touch Twitter is with how people live their lives. Oh, d- expand you on know, that. That's fascinating. You you get into I mean it's true in every every angry debate on Twitter. If you go from, you know, you spend an hour just threading and going back and forth with people and whatever and then you go and meet with your small group at church or like Mm. play golf with guys or a 90% of those people have no idea what you're talking about. If you bring this stuff up, (laughs) if you approach them with the same passion, you go on Twitter, they're like, whoa, 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 you know, calm down, take, take a pill. You're a maniac. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just like people, people in everyday life are like, you know what I can't do? I can't get my three-year-old to stay in their big kid bed. We just moved him from a crib, and I'm losing <laughs> yeah. sleep, and I'm tearing my hair out. And you oh know, man, I want to, you know. So there's there's yeah. just this massive disconnect, and and the 
so I think it's a, I think it's a neutral in terms of how you view other people. I think the biggest negative for me is that it feels like it takes my eye off the ball, you know, so sure. It it makes me want to weigh in on things that life would be a lot better if I didn't. Yeah, that makes like, sense. I I don't benefit at all by giving my two cents, letting people know where I stand. Uh it's I mean even though the, the fact is I share the, I share a last name with the guy who wrote the most complimentarian book. <laughs> yeah. Which means right. that the, the general assumption, especially yeah. by people who disagree with him, yeah. is that I am exactly like he is. Mm-hmm. Usually, you know, that comes with a fair amount of dislike or mistrust. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'd rather let them believe that than try to nuance a take or come back at them or even have a civil discussion about it. Because I just, whatever. Yeah. The only time I want to talk about this is if somebody approaches me at church and says, hey, where does where does Emmanuel stand on this? And we can have a kind, respectful human conversation where they can ask follow-up questions. I can give nuances. I can shrug my shoulders at some point and go, honestly, like this is this is as far as we go with it. Not, you know, we're not yeah, we're not fighting over this with anybody. And yeah. uh I'm fine with that conversation. Yeah. Everything else is like it, Okay. But the the other interesting parallel with the 80s is in the 80s, this mostly lived at the high theological level. Mm -hmm. It was seminarians, academics, uh, people who wanted to read 500-page books, which is basically like what Twitter is now. It's this tiny portion of the population who who wades into a, a battle. It's just, you know, except it's like junkyard dogs fighting instead of academics debating. But it's the same kind of it's the same influence on society and the same uh, like kind of percentage of the population, if you will. Yeah. That's a great point pipe. I mean, yeah, like these, yeah, these discussions would have happened like in an academic level, right? The evangelical theological society, it would have all been like that, you know, like Mm -hmm. it wasn't like, it wasn't coming down to, you know, sort of the level of the, uh, the lay person. And I think that's where, but it's, I think that's where, yeah, that's where it's attempting to exist and, yeah. It's still not lay people having the conversation, by and large. It's though, not. Is it? You're right. So no, you're right. I have a comment about Twitter and then a question. Um, Don't you miss it, Ted? <laughs> yeah. Oh, t- just aching daily. You know. Yeah. My my comment though is, I think we've got maximum about another decade with it, and I say that because my students. The, the, like Twitter's not even remotely a part of their world. Yep. Um, they don't care about it. They don't use it. They don't talk about it. They don't think about it. And that's been true. They're on TikTok. Yeah, yeah that's been true for at least the last five or six years. Um, the only people I really know who use Twitter are like 35 to 55-year-old men. And, you know... Or, or those strongly influenced by... 35 sure. to 55, 65 years. So like you'll get yeah. a lot of young theology bros on there. Sure. Or on the, or, or like, I don't say on the other side in another camp, like yeah. the young activistic types, you know? Oh, sure. Yeah. Mid twenties yeah. dealing in issues of, of race or gender or whatever, but it's, right. it's almost always passionate tribal stuff, not yeah. like yeah. normal soccer mom or average teenager or you know college sophomore who's you know trying to figure out if they want to be a literature or a business major yeah no but that was the way it was always going to be though right i mean so like because we have social media platforms it means that none of them are going to exist in the same spot you know in terms of a 
culturally or with like it trending forever, right? Like, like a jet, like a like already like fa- like Facebook is for grandpas, you know, basically. Yeah, so it's like the, dr- it's the drunk happen. uncle of social media. Yeah, I mean, and it's like, and it, and so it, it doesn't mean that they're going to be obliterated or they're just going to disappear. Although they could. I mean, MySpace is a great example of that. So yeah, in ten years. Yeah, there might not be a Twitter. Chances are there will be, but there's going to be three more platforms that we don't even know about that are being established right now that the next next generation is going to be plugged into. Yeah. So it's interesting how that. I mean, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna see a timeline with all of these things. So here's here's my it's question happened. about Twitter vis a vis this uh, debate about complementarianism. But you could plug in literally any other debate, and and it still works. What were these guys doing? Like these guys who are having these debates, like literally how were they spending their time a decade and a half ago before there was Twitter? Like if, if, if all the like time resources, what did we do? What did you do? (laughs) Like what is to do? Like, actually it's, it's a, it's a serious question wrapped in a funny question and we, we could definitely go ha ha with it or we could go serious with it. But like what were pastors doing a decade and a half ago before there was sort of the option to, you know, be a a keyboard warrior on on Twitter all the live long day. Like, I I, I just I would love to know. It's what was happening. I don't know. I, I somebody explained this to me. <laughs> I'm stumped. I'm stumped. How did people live? Well, so what did they do? I, I mean, so let's. Uh, I'll use myself as an example. That way, uh, I can say mean things and not hurt anybody else's feelings. Sure. Um, so when I was in college. Went to Wheaton and, you know, I came out of a staunchly complementarian background and the the Council for Biblical Manhood and Womanhood was kind of doing chapters at colleges at that point. And so I got I got involved in that. And, you know, it's, it's super tiny. Sure. Um, but it, it was stuff like that. That's what that's what the Twitter warrior were doing. So I was of the the young theology bro is, is probably a fair, you know, kind of cage stage Calvinist type of guy yeah. at 20. And influenced by the 45, 55-year-old theologians who had, you know, whether or not you agree with them, they at least put careful thought into things. And and so I was influenced by that, not putting careful thought into things, just taking their conclusions and waging war over them. Um, And... And so I think it went that way, where you sort of you gather a group of passionate people around you and you you shout in agreement at one another. Aren't yeah. all those egalitarians idiots, for example? Yeah. You know, how can they how can they read their Bible and think this? That type sure. of thing. And then occasionally you turn outward and have debates with, you know, the people you think are just heinously liberal on campus, and when in reality they're <laughs> they're just they're just slightly more egalitarian than you are. And uh and you think like how dumb are these people in it? And and so it's but it's it's all small scale. So, yeah. you know, relationships are damaged and egos are boosted and criticisms are made and you know, a lot of mean things are said. Yeah. But amongst like 20 people, instead of saying it in a way that can then get hijacked and captured and spread to hundreds or thousands of people in an impersonal way. And I mean that and I think so I think people who were sort of the warrior mentality, like I'm going to pick a fight over this stuff. They just did that. They found like minded people. Yeah. And they they were sort of like uh, theological, like they built little kind of theological communes in their minds, you know? Like wow. like the weirdo Idaho separatists who are like they have guns and they're waiting for the government to come take them and it's going to be another yeah. Ruby Ridge or whatever. It's it's like a super low key version of that. We're just waiting for the egalitarians to come for our church. They're coming. 
we're ready. We're ready mm-hmm. for him when this when this war over the church comes, that kind of thing. Except it was tiny, it was separate, and it and the battle never came. I think too, Pipe, like you said something um a minute ago that I think is I think is so important. I mean, to to get serious here for like one second, which is like, you know, like I'm in my community group last night. There's 15 of us. I, I mean, if I were to say, hey, guys, here's a fun word for you to discuss for four minutes. Mm-hmm. Complementarianism. I mean, they would look at me like I had lost my mind because none <laughs> which of them. Is good, right? Like, which is good. Yeah. None of them would be able to articulate it. Right. A couple of them might just go, is that the thing where like we only have male elders at our church? And I would say, yeah. Uh, okay, so what do you want to know? Yeah. Like, or huh? You know, like there would be this, there would be this sense of like that's a theological word, Ronnie. That's something that you're supposed to know about. That I mean, I I don't really feel like we should know about or need to know about. Or you will you will instruct us when you feel like we need to know about this. Or that's probably something we learned in, in our membership class eight years ago that nobody remembered. You know, twenty four seconds after you led us through it. And um, so there is something that it, there's an out of touchness with some of these things where you go at the end of the day, like Piper was saying, man, I, I th- this gets me off. This gets me off my marks. Mm-hmm. Right. My, my my marks are to like get in the trenches with my people and, you know, walk alongside of them through the things that they are battling and dealing with every day. And this Although I, you know, everything's important in its own lane. I mean, th- this would not be something that you know we would want to put at that level in terms of, hey, how are we helping our people become more like Jesus and love Jesus more? I mean, you know, complementarianism is not something that I would say necessarily fits in. That, right? <laughs> also, I don't think this is a lane. Like this is a this is a demolition derby. You know, like <laughs> if the debate stayed in its lane, okay. But this is just like chaos. It's just insane. You know, anybody's invited. Like, do you have a vehicle to move? Sure, come run into other people. This sounds fun. Um, that that's like that's sort of the 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 tone of it. It's bonkers. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, think Twitter... I think okay, so here's a here's a thought experiment. I think one good way to see is this helpful or is this insane mm-hmm. is to take a debate such as this one, bring it to your community group and present it or at least think through how would they like what, what Ronnie just said is exactly right. If you think how would this land if I took it to my friends who I love, who I spend the bulk of my kind of life with. And I said, "Hey, let me read you a couple of tweets." And they look at you like, you have lost your ever-loving mind. Well, there you go. That's that's probably the level, that's probably the, the tipping point between right. helpfulness and insanity. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, yeah. That, that's a good word. I mean, I think, I think Twitter really works as a piece of entertainment for a person who likes to be entertained in a certain type of way, which isn't all people. Um, but if we look at it as entertainment primarily, then it, it, it probably works okay. I think so. But if we yeah. if, and information too, information, I gain information from Twitter. Just st- I learn things that I just didn't know. Yeah, and I, I mean, and I guess you're always weighing the that, like, you know? is the information that I'm gleaning worth the like pain that I have to go through to get it? You know, and and that that answer is going to be different for every person, right? Absolutely. Um, and also the level of entertainment you get from it is going to be different for every person. Um, so I, it is personality driven though. I mean, that's a great point because, you know, like, like me and big M, you know, we will read, let's just say, for example, we read the same three, like, you know, Twitter debates Mm -hmm. during on a day I'm out. I just happen to see him. She's doing her own thing. We happen to see him. 
we get home and she's like, I'm so mad because so-and-so said this, so-and-so said that, so-and-so said this. And I just kind of go, oh, right. Yeah, I saw that. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you just don't even seem like you care. And I'm like, I kind of don't. I just like, I get it. Like, I, I hate, like, I would agree with everything she would say in terms of what was true about it, what was inflammatory about it, yeah. what we disagreed with. But like, at the end of the day, it's not like, it's not upsetting me. Yeah. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Yeah. I, I don't feel like, oh no, I, the, the justice needs to be done now, you know? So that is a person, that's just a personality thing between the two. Well, of and not to, not to like force you to be the ultimate complementarian and speak for your wife but like would would she say would she say that her life is better for having gotten angry over it you know what i mean well you know what yeah so let me let me answer that question like this yeah. first how dare you accuse <laughs> well, yeah. me uh, no i'm kidding um <laughs> i mean how dare me just in general that's that's a blanket how dare you and i'll i'll it's receive. a blanket how, i mean i like blanket how dare you's they're of fun course. um yeah no bi- i mean big m it, i mean that would be a thing where i would just be like Hey, I get it, but I mean, like, why so? You know, why so angry? We don't need yeah, to. Like, yeah. who cares? Right. Like, this is not changing our lives. This is not affecting our lives. We got to go visit somebody tonight who um, is hurting yeah. and like really needs us to sit there, not talking to them about complementarianism. Yeah. No, and that's good, right? And and the people who do the vast majority of that are probably the healthiest people, right? Like, so if if you're if your life is really grounded in the local church and interfacing with actual people in your actual life, that's probably healthy. Um, and it probably to some degree informs how you would interact then on, on Twitter. Piper, I want to ask you a question about something that you mentioned the last time you talked, you used the term, uh, Theo bros or theological (laughs) bros. And this is a term that I've heard, or kind of bandied about over the last like nine to 12 months. And like functionally it it kind of operates, I think in the following way, but I want to, I want to ask you about it. Theo bro is basically just anyone who disagrees with me about anything having to do with theology. Um, That's how I hear it used. And it's, it's always accompanied by like a sniff or an eye roll or whatever. But my question is, are there any good ones? Like, are there any good Theo bros? Is uh, it always well, a pejorative? I think this the is term just a is, semantic question. I, I think the term is is uh, entirely negative. Okay. It is. Was, so it, it's it's not just a disagreement. It's like the, it's sort of a demographic. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, it, yeah. if you said seminarian, Ted, yeah. there would be like 80% overlap in, okay. in this Venn diagram. It is. Yeah. It's, so like a theologically passionate, uh-huh. uh, and malformed younger man, you know, so I'd say generally under 35, but probably under 30. Got it. Who has the piranha mentality. Okay. Swarm to blood in the water and devour the take that you disagree with. Uh There's, there's a lot of, well, actually there's an, a, a general tone deafness. There's also just a general deafness, not a lot of listening going on amongst the deal bro crowd. Um, profound confidence in their own opinions um huh. you know and so you can pull like there there there's there's pastors there's seminarians there's some of the you know kind of nerd the you know academic nerd twitter would be in here mm-hmm. but also just like theological hobbyists who sure. 
who want to yeah. go pick a fight yeah, and, and that kind of thing. So it's and you it's know, entirely and emotional pejorative. EQ levels at like zero, basically. <clears throat> mm. You know. Okay, so I have another question about Theo Bros. This is good. I'm I'm learning a lot here. Are Theo Bros always conservative or are there like liberal Theo Bros? Uh great question. I, yeah. The way that I've seen it used is it's it it always refers to the theologically and and then you know generally politically conservative. Um the other side gets called things like social justice warriors. You oh, know? okay, sure. So, or, that's you helpful. Know, li- that's or libtards. Helpful, like, it's it's yeah. because it, it's the people who don't like them who's giving them the name, and so the sure. name has to sort of negatively reflect how you perceive them. Yeah. So theological frat boys, essentially, yeah. or you know, over overwrought, overpassionate, left leaning, you know, pinko commie <laughs> types. You know, if, yeah, if yeah, we're yeah. gonna if we're gonna insult everybody. No, dude, that's super helpful. That's actually super, super helpful to me. Is there, I mean, is there a greater, is there a more dated but greater phrase than pinko kami? I mean, in our lives. I actually I, remember. the greatest. Yeah. I remember like. <laughs> my dad, my dad used that approximately seven times a day. Yes, dude. To describe somebody that he didn't like. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say I like. And uh, John, John F. Martin, man, I. I feel like he coined that phrase almost. It was like he had he like adopted that phrase somehow. It was like I when somebody asked me who invented that phrase, I would say I think it was my dad. You know, at some point I but use it because I can't bring phrase. myself to say the phrase theological Marxist or I'm sorry, cultural Marxist. I can't like I know I'm I, with see, you. I can't even say but it. I love I it, it so much. That's, it's like let's bring back some of those Cold War yeah, phrases. I just man. I, I if, love if I, I mean, aren't we vibes. basically doing that? Like, yes. Yeah. Um, we, it's a it's a big standoff yeah. between two sides, neither of whom will ever actually take a swing at the other. So it's the Cold War. Yeah, but nobody's saying. I'm just saying, like for fun, nobody's saying pinko kami anymore. I mean, they're saying cultural Marxists, but nobody's saying. Let's just bring. Let's go old school with it. Is what I'm saying. I wanna. I wanna just start using the old school terms. Dude, see if you can no, bring that okay. back. I mean, I'd love to bring it back. Bring it back. Hey, I have a. I have a. And. Man, I'm sorry. I'm not like getting to any of the things that we said that we would talk oh, about. Oh, this is today. so much better than what really? we had lined up. Just keep Yeah. Going. So I have a question for you, baby, about your dad. Um who who I know yeah. I know has passed, but if he were still alive, like what would his relationship be with Twitter and with like this kind of stuff? Um oh, because I feel like in the in the eighties our dads got the majority of Whatever itch that it is that Twitter scratches, like I want to, I want to see the debate. I want to be outraged. I want to feel better about myself. I want to get my own values reassured, which and and be entertained. So if those are all the kind of like Twitter touch points, and our dads were getting it from like talk radio in the eighties, like what what would your dad's relationship with Twitter be now? I mean, it would be non-existent because I think. It, it, I mean, that's such a great question because yeah. like where he would get his information, like he read the newspaper sure. every morning, you know, basically cover to cover. Okay. So that's where he got his primary news. That was his primary news source. He also went to church on Sunday morning. Yeah. And we went to some churches that would have, le- you know, that would have get, you know, that would have gotten political when it mattered, sure. you know, especially when it came to, you know, pro-life issues and things of that nature. And then, um, and he went to a men's Bible study, like a midweek men's Bible study. So I, you know, again, I, I was never with him, you know, during those in those things. But um, so I'm trying to think of like that. That primarily would have been where he had both like information and discourse yeah. happening in his life. And so, yeah, I think in, in entertainment for him was baseball. So Major League Baseball. Oh, so I mean, that was. 
So he wasn't in, he didn't watch the news. He, ne- Man, everything he never about watched him the makes news. me wish we could hang out. That just like, <laughs> he goes to church, he goes to Bible study, he works hard, he reads the newspaper and he watches baseball. I'm like, oh man, I like this guy. I feel like 80% I mean, look, of the- Twitter would be better if they just tried more baseball. You know, if they were just like John F. Tweet I know, last, just like John F. Martin. Baseball, you know, but like his uh, his major, he had no theological issues. Yeah, that I he never brought a theological issue like to the table at the house. Yeah, so there was he just you know I mean maybe to a fault he just believed everything our pastor told him because mm-hmm. that was the guy with the seminary degree right. Sure. So I mean again there, there's issues with that too. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. um, but he just believed that and the only thing I think he was ever really passionate about was you know he was obviously really opposed to like you know immorality and how that was infiltrating television and movies and you know the minds of his kids obviously yeah and i think the only other thing was that obviously he was he was going to be a small government guy in the sense that you know he just didn't want he didn't want to pay a lot of taxes like everybody feel you know you know all that stuff so like that was it like that was was oh you mean you mean back when republicans were like an actual political party who who talked about issues of government that that whoa 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 I just I, I'm kidding. I have no idea. I don't even sure. I guess. Well, I just I yeah. Simply simply saying we've we've completely lost the plot and the, the, our political parties. Like when you say small government, well, there's, yeah, there's that's a thing your dad was passionate about. I don't hear anybody who's like that's that's the thing that they're pounding the table over anymore. Yeah. And when I say passionate, I mean every once in a while he would well. Seven times a day, he would call somebody a pinko commie that was just trying to take all of his money. I mean, that's really all of it. That's really all it was. Yeah. It didn't go a lot deeper than that, to be quite honest. Let me, let me, interesting. Yeah. Let me ask you guys this. No, that's good. Was it more so like your, your dad calling somebody a pinko commie in the 80s? Like, I hear you tell that story and I equate it with like similar experiences of growing up in the 80s. And it seems like in my lens, in my backward viewing lens, it seems more innocent and more almost like charming and quaint. Whereas what's going on now seems nefarious and like evil, I guess, at a very deep level because I see it like eating away at people's contentment and joy and souls and personas in a way that's... That's well. Here's what it was too. Yeah, that's a great. Question. I'm rambling. So I yeah, would, I, would I no, no. I would say it like this. Like again, this doesn't necessarily mean it's better. It was different. Yeah, yeah. So basically, I think back then, like if you're talking about John F. Martin, his anger could be compartmentalized oh, more easily. Okay, yeah, that's than big. it is now. Yeah. So in other words, like he would have a couple of things that he was passionate about, and he would be passionate about it for two minutes. Mm-hmm. And then it, he didn't have like he didn't have this device or this medium or this platform to stay angry about it for the next 24, 48. Sure. You know, I don't that's yeah. as far as I know how to count yeah, hours, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, so it wasn't this perpetual thing where he was constantly being tempted to be just just, you know, fed up mm-hmm. and eye rolly and grumpy and angry about like everything that was going on in the world. And that's our temptation yeah. now. And, you know, so it, it, it really was more simple times, you know, it, yeah. just for because of what what was lacking, what we didn't have available to us. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a that's a great point. So, I mean, is anyone talking about Twitter as like a temptation to sin? You know what I mean? Because it, it seems to me yeah. that it is. Dude. 
but 100%. I don't hear anyone talking about it in that way, you know? Uh, well, I mean, dudes that are like, I mean, honestly, like I have, so we, we Piper and I probably have shared friends in this where they'll, I know we make fun of guys when, when they say, hey, I'm taking a Twitter break, sure. you know, and they're, they sure, announce sure, sure. it. So we made jokes about that. But I've talked to people that have done that, and whether they announce it or not, mm-hmm. they have told me, I just need to get away from this for a few months. Yeah. Because it's just doing bad things for me, and it's causing me to be angry. It's causing me to sin, yeah. is what they're saying. Yeah. And so they they make those steps, and they're not saying, hey, realistically, I'm never getting back into it. I mean, yeah. they know they're probably going to dive back into it. But for a moment, they want to sort of cleanse their system and, and get it out of their system. Yeah. Interesting. <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, people do talk about it that way personally. I, okay. Right. I, I have a friend named uh, Chris Martin, who's one of the most – he's, he's uh, probably early 30s. Um, he just came out with a book on essentially Christianity and social media, but like from a deep dive, how is social media shaping us? That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Really thoughtful guy, really understands kind of the, the, he's the kind of guy who, when Facebook releases papers, he summarizes them for normal people to be like, this is what they're actually saying they're doing to your brain, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so he's, he's definitely looking at it and going, he, he would say social media is not a moral neutral. You know, we kind of treat yeah. it as like a blank piece of paper. And then what right. you put on the paper mm-hmm. defines morality yeah. or not. You know, that, that's kind of been my approach. And he's like, it's not a moral neutral because there's people mm-hmm. running it with agendas and sure. she, seeking to shape things and the way that it's shaping everything from elections to souls and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't think that's in the public consciousness. I think there are thoughtful people who are coming at it that way. And then there's what Ronnie said, the personal side where people are coming at it and <clears throat> and saying it's having an ill effect on me personally, so I need to step away. Most of the time when I see that, I see it more like when people, you know, they do like the dry January thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to not drink in January for self-control, for help, just to kind of be like I, yeah. you know, I have some I have control over this thing. It doesn't have control over me. Um Sure. And I I'm, I think that's I think that's probably good, but yeah, but I I don't know how to I don't know how to approach that question from a you know kind of the sweeping is it more temptation or more good Be, you yeah. know cumulate because because I I do think somebody like Ronnie or me can use it in a way and probably walk away from it in a way where that there is a significant net gain there's a net mm-hmm. gain in relationships made you know the connections made information gained. Um, we can kind of curate our feeds so that the negativity lives elsewhere. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's true for a huge chunk of the users, maybe not the majority. Um, yeah. I, I, I would venture to say that cumulatively speaking, the world would be a better place if social media didn't exist. Yeah. But also whatever that ship has sailed. So sailed, sailed forever. Yeah. I mean, sailed, hit the, hit the iceberg, sunk to the bottom of the sea and they built a new and better one. Like here we are. Um, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole part of our reality. And so there's just something about, okay, if it's here there for some people, it's, it's good to avoid it. Yeah. But it's also, it, it is a genuine space that Christians need to inhabit well. And right now, I don't think we do. I think we, some some, mm-hmm. some people try to, and a lot of people just kind of cave to the temptation of, of being well, it's sucked like, in and jerks. It's like managing your alcohol intake. Yeah. Some people can have a drink. Some people, you know, they, they just don't have it in them to moderate that. So they have to abstain altogether. You know, I mean, man, it's, it's, it's across the board. Yeah, which is it's wisdom. Like if, if you know that about yourself yeah. and you're like, yeah, I don't touch the stuff, that's wise. And for those people, like Ted, I every time you're you 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 
you know, we talk about you not being on Twitter. I poke fun, but at the same time, I'm like, Twit- Ted knew himself well enough to know that Twitter would uh, would have a, a costly effect on his soul. Yeah. I, I think that's fleeing temptation. That's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. No, th- this has been good. Um, yeah, this has been really, like, interesting to me. And it's it's helpful for me to check in on it from time to time just to, like, gauge people's thoughts on it. And, um, yeah, it was really interesting. I mean, it, 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 to your friend's point about it not being a, a moral neutral, I, I just think it's something that people view as a thing that they have a limitless capacity for when in reality, we should probably think of it like running. Like we can't, you, you can't go outside and run for like a hundred hours in a row. Right. Um, you know, some of us could run for 20 minutes and that would be it, you know, and, and then we would have to rest. And, but I, I think you get people like living their lives on it and just getting so many reps in with it that it becomes, Mm -hmm. it begins to shape reality in a way that isn't real. And that, that I think is probably almost always a net negative, even if it's shaping reality in ways that feel fun or stimulating or whatever. Well, because, yeah, because it's idol. I mean, really, yeah. you know, it's, we make idols out of everything and yeah. there's an, there's an idolatry aspect, you know, obviously to component yeah. to this yeah. that is just, it's like you, it's impossible to ignore. And, you know, uh, th- we have to guard against that. Yeah. We have to guard against that in every, like every facet of our life. Mm-hmm. It's not like social media is, social media just feels exaggerated right now. Mm-hmm. But in that, in that sense, there's all these other subtle things that become major idols. Yeah in our lives that, that we, that we dismiss or we miss yeah. and social media is just more glaring, yeah. but it's almost because it's so glaring and it's so a part of our day-to-day lives that we, that we will tend to dismiss it. We're not going to miss it. It's right there, yeah. but we're going to tend to dismiss it as being able to see that in reality, um, you know, if it's tempting us to be angry, to, to be, you know, to, to, you know, want to build platforms to want to, you know, we like those hits because it gives sure. us some level of affirmation. I mean, we're really talking about idolatry. At yeah. This point. No, you're right. It's interesting. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Um, um, for one, one up quick comment. Yeah. Uh, so Chris Martin, who I just mentioned, just released a book. It's called terms of service, the real cost of social media. And looks great. I would uh, I would recommend it to any listener who just wants to kind of think carefully through this stuff, idolatry issues, the effect of social media on us, the good and the bad of it. He's he's not he's not berating anybody, but rather kind of a wise guide to how do we how do we think through this stuff. So again, terms of service just released. Uh, I I would recommend it to anybody who's like I want to I want to be careful with social media and be wise, but not just sort of be the black and white in or out person. Yeah, no. A little free promo there for Chris Mart, Chris Martini. Dude, shout out Chris Martini and Huffy Bicycles, um, <laughs> our two sponsors for this morning's program. Huffy Executives, if you're listening, how would you like to be a Huffy Executive, baby? Oh, that I be can't incredible? even think. Yeah, I can't even. I mean, I was going to say like if Huffy could sponsor us. I, oh, I can't even. Oh no, Huffy bikes are still alive and well. I'm looking at it right oh, now. Oh, dude, that's so good to hear. Can you imagine a brand new Huffy bike on each of our doorsteps in the next? Oh my goodness! You know, one I mean, that, you're describing a. Dream Can you imagine if somebody came out with a brand now called Huffy Bikes? People would be like, "What is this? A shot at fat people? You know, like this. This <laughs> is true. The, this is the sound they make when they're on the bike. You know, and the the, uh, the digital coach is screaming at them. It would. It was a simpler time. Huffy would never fly. Uh, it was a simpler time, wasn't it, baby? It's back, 
It's back when it's back when you it's back when you wrote a Huffy because your dad couldn't afford a Schwinn. It was that simple, dude. Yeah, everybody in my town wrote Huffies. It was yeah, it wasn't even a big deal. Um, yeah. uh, boys, we've done what we always do on this program, and that we've waxed nostalgic about our new sponsor, Huffy Bicycles USA, <laughs> um, and we've we've talked some social media, which was was helpful and productive. Um, I forget what I was going to say. Oh, shout out to Well Bible, our actual sponsor for the program. And until next time. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God looks at your heart, not your gene size. Do you know the verses yet still stress over your body? Oh, I get it. I was raised in church, but I struggled with food, eating disorders, and my body for decades. I'm Heather Creekmore, host of the Compared To podcast, where we talk about all things body image and comparison from a biblical perspective. We get real about the pressure to focus on appearance in a culture where looks seem to matter most. Whether you're wrestling wrinkles or battling the scale, Compared To Who is the show for you. You'll laugh a little and be encouraged a lot. If you're ready to stop comparing and start living, visit lifeaudio.com to listen and subscribe.